some. James 4, James 4, starting in verse 1, says this, What causes quarrels and what causes fighting among you? Some translations say, what causes wars? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You desire and do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot, cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. What causes quarrels? What causes fights or what causes wars among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You desire and you do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and you quarrel. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word this morning. God, I pray that in the next few moments that we have together, that God, your word would just speak to us so loudly, so clearly. And God, we would walk out if you're knowing the truth, applying the truth to our life. And God, that truth would set us free. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Let me just read this to you. Obviously, if you've lived here for a while, you know we live in a military town. And so we send off a lot of people to war. And uh, what is one of our jobs? Our job is simply to pray for those that are in authority, our government. If they choose that we have to go to war, man, we support them with prayer. We pray for wisdom. We, we pray that God's protection would be upon those going out. Well, here's a story, and it's actually a true story. I'm going to read it to you. It says this, Daddy is going to war. True story. During the Persian Gulf War, I was assigned to go to Saudi Arabia. As I was saying goodbye to my family, my three-year-old son, Christopher, was holding on to my leg and pleading with me not to leave. No, Daddy, please don't go. He kept repeating. We were beginning to make a scene when my wife, desperate to calm him, said, Let Daddy go, and I'll take you to go get pizza. Immediately, Christopher loosened his death grip, stepped back, and a calm voice said, Goodbye, Daddy. <laughs> Goodbye, Daddy. Isn't it interesting, and not only children, but how sometimes in church or sometimes when we don't know the answer or sometimes we don't know how to handle a situation, that we begin, to, we begin to find a way out. We begin to find a way to deal with that situation that's totally opposite than what we need to do. Are you with me this morning? That, that we need to talk about what the Bible says about war in church. Honestly, in all my life growing up in the church, I have never heard, okay, this is just me, maybe you have, but I have never sat in a church service and had someone say, this is what the Bible says about war. Now, as I was studying this and as I was looking at the scriptures, I realized that, and too many times it's maybe, maybe we don't know what the Bible says about war, or as a pastor, maybe we're afraid to say what the Bible says about war in case somebody doesn't agree with us, and if they don't agree with us, maybe they're going to leave our church, Okay. We figure we might as well just get it all out there in the open. So if you're going to leave, you're going to leave up front. Are you with me? All right. So in the first four and a half months, we're just going after it. Here's what the Bible says, and then we'll never do it again. And no, just kidding. Here's what the Bible says. So what does the Bible say about war? Right here in James chapter 4, I want to read it again because I don't think we can uh, just articulate this enough. It says, what causes quarrels or what causes wars? It says this, is it not this that your passions are at war within you? In other words, what causes the wars you see with your eyes? What causes those battles? What causes those? Can okay, I listen to me? It's not just talking about major world wars. It's not just talking about those wars that we, we see reported on the news. What causes wars between a husband and a wife? What causes wars between a brother and another brother or a brother and a sister? What causes wars between, or quarrels between business people? And the answer is this. Is it not that there's a war going on inside of you? Okay, and then it goes on to describe that war. Listen to this. You desire and do not have, so you murder. In other words, you're selfish. Wow, okay? So you murder. You covet 
and cannot obtain. So you fight and quarrel. Or in other words, your pride is so great that you can't deal with the fact that you tried to go out, but you couldn't have it, so you know what, I'm just going to... This is what the Bible's saying. The Bible's saying that war, all war, no matter how big, no matter how great, no matter how gruesome that war is, it starts with one place. It starts inside of you, and it starts inside of me. Are you with me this morning? Okay? Now, I remember growing up, I have three older brothers. Okay? I'm the youngest, smartest, best-looking one of the four. If you met them, you'd agree with me. Just trust me. I have three older brothers, and my oldest brother's going to be turning 50 here shortly, and so there's quite an age gap. Um, but I had three older brothers, and can I just tell you, we knew to, how to fight when we were growing up, okay? Now, I didn't so much fight with my one brother that's, you know, 16 years older than me, um, because that would just be hard. Um, but I did fight with my other two brothers, and especially the one that's two and a half years older than me. And we got in quarrels, and we got in fights all the time. How many of you guys have siblings? Okay, so you know, okay, thank you. You know what I'm talking about, okay? And how many know you were always right? Thank you, Okay. And so I would get in fight. I remember this specific one, and it, it turned into, I was, I was only five, so honestly, I could, it couldn't be that big of a battle. And obviously, it traumatized me because I still remember it 30 years later. But it just actually came to me this morning. And I remember this one when I was five years old. When I was growing up, my, my parents would buy one six-pack of soda for the summer, okay? We did not have, I'll tell you this, when I, when I got out on my own, I thought it was the coolest thing to come and open the fridge and see soda in my refrigerator. Because I went and stocked up, man. It was just all soda. There was no food. It didn't matter. Because when growing up, honestly, we'd buy one six-pack of soda. It was during the summer. We'd take it on vacation. If there was any left when we got back, you could share it, okay? Well, it just so happened that on this vacation, I didn't drink my soda. And I was so excited when I got back to drink my soda. And I saved it, and I was going to have it with dinner, okay? And I remember we'd always sit down at the dinner table. So we're sitting at the dinner table, and I couldn't have soda with dinner, though. It was like a treat, so it would be like my dessert afterwards, Okay? And, so, and, and plus it was the little cans. Are you with me? We were deprived children. <laughs> it was one can of soda for the year. And uh, this is a true story. And so I was sitting at the dinner table, and I was so excited to have my soda afterwards. And my brothers were jealous, okay? And so they wanted to start a war, because there's a war going on inside him. He has soda, and we don't. Are you with me? Okay? This is what James is talking about. And so my mom poured the soda into the glass, and I was so excited. I'm only five, and, 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 and my, I decided, you know what, I'm going to share it with, with my brother, okay? My brother that's two and a half, just to tick off my oldest brothers, you know? I'm going to share with him, not with you. You guys are jerks, you know? So I'm fighting back now. The battle's going on. Well, I'm five, okay? And so I have some, my brother Ted has some, we're going to enjoy it, you know? We're all excited for our soda, you know? And my brother Mark goes, hey, why don't you guys have a race to see who can drink it the fastest? And I'm like, okay, I'm five, all right? I'm like, okay, yeah, let's have a race. And I grab mine and I pound it like this. And I'm sitting there and all of a sudden my brother starts laughing at me. Ha, ha, you don't have any soda now. Ha, 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 And I remember at the age of five. Okay, you laugh now, but how you know to a five-year-old that was a devastating thing, okay? And then all of a sudden now I was like looking at my other brother like, I don't want to share with you anymore. I want my, you know, my other cup of soda. I was so devastated. I was so hurt. I still am to this day. Why did they do that? Number one, they're jerks, okay? okay? All siblings are. No, just kidding. No, they did that because they were jealous that they didn't have any. So they wanted to start a war. Are you with me this morning? Okay, and I know that was a silly story, but that's where wars start. Wars start internally. It doesn't matter how high up you get. It doesn't matter how low you feel. A war starts one place. It starts inside the heart of a man and a woman. Are you with me this morning? The Bible says in James it starts with selfishness and it starts with pride. It starts with selfishness and pride. As I was studying, I came across this, this story 
and it was of Abraham Lincoln. Abraham Lincoln was walking with his two children down the street. And his two children were, 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 were fighting and crying and upset with one another, and they just were not behaving. And as they're walking down the street, another gentleman saw him and, and asked Abraham, Hey, what's wrong with your children? What, what's their deal? And Abraham Lincoln said, Nothing more than what's wrong with the rest of the world. I have two sons, three walnuts, and they both want two. Nothing, nothing that's wrong with, with the rest of the world. What was he saying? He was saying this. He was saying what James is saying. Look, everybody wants more. Everybody wants what somebody else has. You covet, and, and that covetousness, you can't have it, so then what do you do? You go to battle because you want it. Okay? Some people would say that, you know, wars, I've heard this said a lot, wars are started because of religion. You ever heard that one before? Religion starts wars. Or wars are started over oil, you know, and all that. No, wars aren't started over those things. Those are, those are superficial things. Wars start simply because of the wickedness of a man and a woman's heart. And there's a war going on inside. And because they don't win the battle that's going on inside, the battle then begins to be displayed on the earth. Are you with me this morning? What does the Bible say about war? I'm going to cruise through this because we have a meet and greet right after this. And just want to encourage you to stay after and enjoy some food with us and get to know us better. What does the Bible say about war? Number one. War is not murder. War is not murder. Okay, I've heard this, this argument over and over again. Okay, God's not a murderer. He doesn't like, like murder. Matter of fact, the Bible says in Exodus twenty thirteen, thou shalt not kill. And they use that to try to support this, this, this pacifist mentality that no, war is bad. War is not good. War is murder. Okay? I want you to know something up front. We're going to look at some scriptures here. Exodus twenty thirteen, when it says, thou shalt not kill. This is what it's talking about. It's talking the intentional, premeditated killing of another person with malice. Thou shalt not murder. What is it saying? It's saying the intentional, premeditated killing of another person with malice. Okay? That's what that means. How many of you know when you go to war, okay, that you are not going out with those motives? Okay? We're going to talk about that a little bit more here. Okay? So war is not murder. How many of you guys have heard that argument before? And you've heard people say, well, God's not a murderer, therefore war is bad. And, okay. War is not murder. What happens in war, man, is it, is it gruesome? Yes. Are there casualties? Absolutely. Is it bad? Absolutely. But it's not murder. How do we know it's not murder? 1 Samuel 15.3. You can write this one down. 1 Samuel 15.3. I'm going to read it to you. First Samuel 15.3 says this, Now go and strike Amalek and devote to destruction all that they have. Do not spare them, but kill both man, woman, child, and infant, ox and sheep, camel and donkey. How many of you guys know that's, that's pretty thorough right there? Okay? That's 1 Samuel 15.3. Why did I read that one? Because that was the command of God. God was saying, Hey guys, this is what you have to do. This is what you're going to need to do. Now, you have to read the whole, the whole passage in context to know why God did this. But let me just tell you why God did this. Because there was evil coming against Israel. Because there was wickedness coming against the kingdom of God. Okay? And sometimes, and we're going to look at this, sometimes the only way to stop wickedness, sometimes the only way to stop evil is through fighting back or through war. Okay? So because of that, God says, look, this is what I want you to do. 
Okay? Now we know that God is not what? A murderer. Okay? Because if God was a murderer, he would be a sinner. How many of you guys know that God's not a sinner? Okay? The Bible says, thou shalt not murder, thou shalt not kill. God is not a killer, God is not a murderer. So what is God saying here? The Bible is saying this, if you, if you put it in context, that war is not murder. But sometimes war is necessary to stop evil, to stop wickedness from continuing on. Joshua 4.13 says this. Joshua 4.13. And this once again is the command of God, or we see it. About 40,000 were ready for war, passed before the Lord into battle to the plains of Jericho. Okay? We could read that in context as well. What was happening? This was God saying, look, you have to go to war. This is the only way that evil will stop. This is the only way that this, this war that's coming against the kingdom of God is going to be thwarted is by if we go into battle and we do this. Does that make sense this morning? So we understand that because God's not a murderer, okay? God does not kill. We understand this, that war is not murder. What does the Bible say about war number two? What does the Bible say about war number two? War is never good, okay? Although war is not murder, okay? If you read the Bible, you understand this, that war is never good. There are casualties in war. Bad things happen. There's aftermath to war. That war, as, as a believer's standpoint, war should always obviously be our last option, but sometimes it's our only option, Okay? So when we look at war as a believer, yeah, we understand that war is not murder. Okay, that's fine, but is war good? No, war is never good. There's casualties. There's things that happen. Hebrews 12, 14 says this. It says, pursue peace. Pursue peace. In the, the version I, I'm reading, the, the English Standard Version, it says, strive for peace. This is the command of God towards believers. Hey, guys, I want you to strive for peace. In other words, peace is our first option. But sometimes to have peace, there has to be war. You with me this morning? Okay? Look at this one if you want. If you want to turn it with me, Romans 12, 18. Romans 12, 18. War is never good. Are you learning something today? Romans 12, 18 says this. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. It's Romans 12, 18. If, how many guys know that if is a small word with a big meaning? Okay, if. If possible, so far as it depends on you and, and me, live peaceably with all people. Okay, how many of you know that that's not always an option? Okay, now once again, I'm not just talking about with other countries. I'm not just talking about with other governments. I'm talking sometimes in your own household. If at all possible live peaceably. How many of you guys experience peace every single day of your life at home? I want to I come spend a week with you, okay? Now, I know this. I know that I always want my home peaceful, and so I do everything possible, okay? But sometimes I'm also the one that brings war, okay, in the, in the household, okay? But it says, if possible. In other words, the Bible's saying this. It's not always possible. But whenever possible, if possible, live it peaceably with everybody, Okay? How many know there's more than just your will working on the earth? Okay? There are millions of wills working on the earth, and those millions of wills working on the earth, yours, mine, theirs, 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 okay? Those, sometimes those wills butt heads. Okay? And last time I checked, I'm not the first one to be like, okay, your will, go ahead. 
I'm usually like, let's butt again, let's butt again, let's butt again, let's butt again, okay? We're going to see who has the stronger head, the stronger will. Are you with me, okay? And my wife always wins, okay? <laughs> if possible. It's not always possible to live at peace. But whenever you can, you've got to do it. In other words, it's saying this, look, we understand be peaceable. War's not good, but sometimes it is the only option. It's right here in James 4, 1, 1 through 2. Where do wars come from? They're there. It's going to happen. In Mark, Jesus says, look, as long as you're alive, there's going to be wars. It's, it's not good. I think it's Mark chapter 8. It's not good, but there's always going to be. Until Jesus returns, until every turn, there's going to be wars. Not just rumors. They're going to be happening. Okay? But, but they're not always good. Be at peace as much as possible. James 4, 1 through 2 talks about it right here. Man, there, there's war. It's not good. Why is it not good? Here's why war is not good. Okay, I love what Jesus does throughout the New Testament. What does he do? He always brings it back to the motive and the intention of the heart. Okay? This is what Jesus does. He, he, through James, he brings it back to the motive. Look, war is not good because it starts in your heart. And it starts with sin, selfishness, and pride. The essence of sin is self-centeredness. And because you're self-centered, because you're, you want your will, because you want your thing, because you want, you want, you want, therefore there's war. And Jesus takes it right back to the motive, the intention of the heart, and says, that's why war is not good, because it shows the sin that's in your life. Okay? So war is not good. Another one you can write down, Romans 3, 10 through 18. You can read that later. Romans 10, or 3, excuse me, 10 through 18. We do not as Christians, here's, here's the stance that I, that I take, okay? Because war is never good. We understand war is not good, but it's never good. Is we don't desire war, but when we have to go to war, okay, we don't oppose it either, okay? Okay, if it's, if it's a war with another country, what's our stance as believers? Romans talks about it. Man, pray for those that are in authority over you. Pray for governing officials, Pray for wisdom. And once again, I said before, pray for, pray for protection. I actually have a nephew right now that's in the military. And he's actually in the hotbed of what's happening over in Afghanistan. And I find myself praying for him often. And especially with technology, I don't even know how that, why they let him do this, because it could give away their position or whatever. But I see his Facebook updates. And I'm just like, wow, it was a bad day. I'm going to pray for him a little extra today. You know? And uh, so I find myself praying protection upon him. I want God to keep him. That's, that's why we ought to pray for our, those that are fighting in that in those battles, okay? Number one, war is not murder. Number two, war is never good. And I'm going to end with this one. Number three, what does the Bible say about war? War is sometimes the only option. And if you want to kind of put this with it, does God condone war? Yes, He actually does allow it. He does, he does permit war. We see it throughout the Bible. Ecclesiastes 3.8 says this, there's a time for war and there's a time for peace. You know that scripture where it talks about the different times and seasons? The Bible says, look, there's going to be a time for war. Okay, there's going to be a time for war. Something, here's something we have to understand. Is that everything that happened in the Old Testament is a type and a shadow of what's going to take place in the New Testament. Okay, what took place in the Old Testament were natural battles. There was kingdom going against kingdom. There was the Israelites going, to, going against the Amalekites, going against the Philistines, going against this person. David and his army would go against this king and their army. And that was all symbolic or all typology of what you and I go through today as the kingdom of righteousness against the kingdom of darkness. 
Did those battles actually take place? Yes, they did. Okay? Is, is it historical in nature as well as spiritual in nature? Yes, it is. But something you and I have to glean as we read the Old Testament, we see that God says, hey, I want you to go to war. That sometimes you and I, in our Christian walk, sometimes you, as we're, we're growing spiritually, as we're growing in our faith, sometimes we find ourselves in a battle. Or am I the only one? We find ourselves, Galatians 5 talks about it. It talks about the war between the flesh and the spirit. And it talks about how there's this vicious battle going back and forth. And if you feed the flesh, guess which one's going to win? The flesh. But if you feed the Spirit, how do I do that? By coming to church? Yeah, that helps. But how do I do that? I've got to get into the Word. I've got to get into prayer. I've got to surround myself with other believers. I've got to grow spiritually. And as I do that, then I can win the battle against the flesh. Okay? Why am I saying this? I want you to understand this today. Because you and I are really in a spiritual battle. Every day. Okay? Every day when you wake up, you can make the decision, am I going to read my Bible? Am I going to pray? Am I going to grow myself spiritually? Am I going to fix my attention on God? Or am I going to fix my attention on my problem? Okay? Now one thing I've noticed is if I fix my attention on my problem, my problem seems to grow. Okay? And not only does my problem seem to grow, I now begin to get overwhelmed with my problem. I get overwhelmed with my circumstance, my money. Man, I don't have enough. And man, how am I going to get more? And man, I need to pick up a third job. And then, are you with me? My relationship. And wow, what's happening? And, and you get your eyes on those temporal, earthly things. All of a sudden, you find yourself overwhelmed. And as you get overwhelmed, what happens? You get forced into a corner and you begin to make bad decisions outside of the will of God. But we have to learn today that we're in a spiritual battle. What does that tell us? That tells us this, that sometimes we need to fight back. That sometimes it's not just wake up and I begin to whistle and smile. Are you with me? Those are the kind of days we love. You know, when we get out of bed and we just skip to the bathroom, brush our teeth. Are you with me? Okay. You know? Just you open the, your closet and the, and the outfit you want to wear is just there. Come on, ladies, are you with me? Okay? <laughs> you don't have to try on ten different things, okay? Those are the days we love, but how many know those days are far and few between? Now, when we get up, man, I'm telling you, the minute you wake up, and even when you're sleeping, there's a spiritual battle. And I've got to begin to make decisions right in the beginning of the morning that are going to feed my spirit. They're going to cause me to grow spiritually. Are you with me? So when I walk through the day, my eyes are not on my problems. Remember that old song, to turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful face, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. That's what we need to do. What is the Bible telling us today? The Bible is not just talking about, listen, listen to what James is saying. The Bible is not just talking about an earthly battle that is the manifestation of an inward spiritual battle that is taking place and if we can win more of the inward spiritual battles there'll be less wars are you with me there'll be less wars in your marriage there'll be less wars in your job there'll be less wars in your relationships are you with me this morning how do you win the battle take care of this right here fix your eyes on jesus focus on him i'm telling you these things man these earthly temporal things war is sometimes the only option and man, I'm telling you right now that you've got to make, you've got to engage yourself, okay? If you think you're going to overcome that sin just by wishing it away, you're wrong. I've come to the conclusion, okay, this conclusion, that if I really want something stopped in my life, I don't want to commit this sin any longer, I've got to make a conscious, willful choice to say no. 
I can't wish it away. I can't even pray it away. Is somebody with me this morning? Am I the only one that sins still? <laughs> Maybe somebody else should come up here and I should listen to you. because I know I still blow it. Okay? And, and sometimes blow it bad. Okay? But I've come, if I really want to change, I've got to make a conscious effort. Okay? And what's the Bible? You think, you think, see, sometimes we think, you know, that the, you know, the you know, war is bad. The Bible doesn't agree with war. Okay? It's just, no, it's not good. Okay? Think about what, what Jesus said. Hey, look, if your eyes causes you to sin, cut your eye out. How many guys think that's gruesome? You've been watching too many horror shows. Maybe not. I don't know. Okay? What does he say, man? It's violent sometimes. Doesn't the Bible say that the kingdom of God suffers violence? And the violent take it by force? What did, that's war. Are you with me today? So number three. <laughs> I rambled. I'm sorry. War is sometimes the only option. War really is sometimes the only option. We see it in Ecclesiastes 3.8. It's going to come. God condones war. He, he allows war. Look at Hebrews chapter 11. The, 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 uh, the chapter of faith. And it talks about all these people that went on before us. Samson. And you know, it goes and names all these people. And you guess what? They were all people of war. How did they make it into that chapter? They chose to go to war. You with me? Sometimes war is the only option. Now, there's a, there's a big movement out there that, that believes that Jesus was a pacifist, okay? That he, you know, because that scripture, if someone slaps you, give them the other cheek, okay? If someone slaps, that, that's found in Mark chapter 5, 38 to 45. And so they'll use that one scripture to say, this is how Jesus was. Maybe war was in the Old Testament, but Jesus, he didn't agree with war. Really. Write this scripture down. John 2, 12 through 17. You can read it later, I'll just kind of tell you what it was. Really, Jesus didn't agree with war. John chapter 2, there's a story where Jesus comes to Jerusalem and he comes to the temple and he looks at the temple and he sees all the people selling goods in the temple. And Jesus did not walk in and say, oh, wow, bummer. Here's my other cheek too. If you read the passage... Jesus actually didn't even come in and start ranting and raving either. The Bible says that he sat down. He found some rope. And he started to twist it together to make a whip. Read the Bible. This is called premeditated whipping people. Okay? It wasn't like he just got mad and he was like Indiana Jones. No, he said he was so ticked off. He said, okay, that's it. I can't handle it any longer. And he went and he found some rope. He might have even bought some rope from some of the guys selling stuff in the temple. I don't know. But somewhere he found some rope. He got it. And the whole time he's sitting there, he's like, I'm going to whip you a good one. Boy, you better be gone by the time I'm done creating this whip. Read the, I'm telling you. It says he twisted the rope together and he made a whip. What was going through his mind that whole time? Exactly what he did. He drove them out of the temple with a whip. Somebody with me this morning. Jesus wasn't messing around. He wasn't turning no other cheek. He was like, going for it. What does that tell me? That tells me this, that Jesus wasn't a pacifist. That tells me that, you know what? Look, you guys have carried it way too far. Okay, it was one thing for you to be selling it outside the temple. Now you brought it into the temple. You've gone way too far. War is the only option right now. I'm going to come through and cleanse the temple because the evil's come too far. The wicked's come too far. Are you with me this morning? And so Jesus literally premeditated. He thought it out and he came in and he drove them out of the temple. 
If you write this one down, Numbers chapter 32. War is sometimes the only option. Numbers 32, and God does condone war. Numbers 32, if you read it, there's twice in this passage where God actually gets mad at the children of Israel for not going to war. He's actually ticked off at them. He's mad at his own people. Why? Because God realized war was the only option in that scenario. And if they weren't going to go into battle, then wickedness and evil would prevail and the children of Israel would get overtaken. Number one, war is not murder. Number two, war is never good. Number three, war is sometimes the only option. When is war the option? To preserve freedom, to protect the innocent, to prevent the spread of evil. When is war the only to, to preserve freedom? How many of you guys know that we, we celebrated yesterday our independence? Not because of anything you and I have done, but because of something someone else did years and years before. Because of something somebody else did years and years before, we could sit here and have this conversation today. How many know that in our spiritual life, the freedom that you and I experience, we did absolutely nothing, but the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords went to battle for us through His Son, Jesus Christ, on the cross so that you and I can experience the freedom and the liberty that we experience today. Listen to me. We can't take for granted. When we come in here and, and the worship team is up here trying to get us into the presence of God, we can't take that for granted. Man, too many of us walk in and I've seen it, man, and I know that people church shop and glory to God, go for it. But man, when you walk into a church, you've got to realize something. Somebody paid the price for those people to be on stage. Are you with me? Someone paid a price that we could have the freedom of worship. And we should just simply come, and I don't care if it's this church or another church, and realize that, wow, because somebody laid down their life for this country, we're able to worship the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Because, because and take it further back, because Jesus Christ went to the cross. I'm able to walk in here free of sin and condemnation. I'm able to lift my hands unashamed to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. No, not because I'm good enough, but because his blood cleansed me so that I could stand here today and worship him with everything that I have within me. Amen? God, we thank you for your word today. God, we thank you that your word is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. God, I thank you, Lord God, that today, Lord God, as we conclude this series uncensored, what the Bible says about all these different subjects and topics that, God, ultimately we're coming to know the truth. God, we understand today as we know the truth, the truth will set us free. Lord, I pray that even what we talked about today, God, it would go beyond just the natural understanding of war, but I pray it would go deep into the depths of our spirit. And we would understand that every day we are in a spiritual battle. That every day, God, the enemy is trying to come against us to rob us of our joy, to rob us of our peace, to rob us of our authority that we have in you. But God, I thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, who defeated that enemy over 2,000 years ago so that today I could have a new life. God, I thank you for your word that says, Behold, old things are passed away, all things have become new. I thank you that there's renewed strength today that we could fight this war. God, there's renewed vision today that we know that we're going to overcome. We're going to achieve the great things that you have for us. Hallelujah. Lord, we love you. God, we love you. Lord, we thank you. Hallelujah, Jesus. Just close your eyes for a minute. I want you to think about where you're at right now with God. I know a lot of people, when they filled out this survey, they were wanting to know what the Bible says about war from a political side. And although we looked at some of that today, there's something we have to understand. We've got to take it back to us. We've got to take it back to the heart issue. 
What about you? Forget the other nations. Forget the other. Forget all that stuff. Where does the war come from when you fight with your mom or your dad? Where does the war come from when you fight with your brother or your sister? Where does the war come from when you fight with your girlfriend? Where does the war come from when you fight with this person or that person, your boss? Where does that war come from? It starts in one place. It starts in your heart. It starts inside of you.